this is a good one, this is a long one, so grab a beer, grab a glass of wine, get your blanket, get your couch, and let's dig into who the real Johnny was. This song was actually written about a real fiddling contest that took place in southern Georgia, and a real man named Marcus Lowe Stokes. We are going to go into the entire history of Marcus Lowe Stokes, who he was, the fiddling contest that inspired all of this, but before we do, don't forget to hit that subscribe button and the bell icon to be notified every time I post a new video. If you like this kind of content, if you don't like it, then just let me know in a really mean comment down below. I'm just kidding, don't. If you don't like it, just be quiet. Just go live your own life, okay? I have been a huge Charlie Daniels fan for a long, long time, and I've looked at so many interviews of Charlie Daniels, but he never actually explains the full story of the song, The Devil Went Down to Georgia. He just kind of says, Oh, I don't know where the inspiration came from. Um, don't really know how it came to me. I was just, I like the name Georgia. That's what he says in his interview. So I just really like the name Georgia. I like Georgia saying Georgia. When he does these interviews, he kind of slips in where this came from in a very like low key way. The only place I can figure that the idea for this came from is an old Stephen Vincent Benet poem I had in high school called The Mountain Whippoorwill. I was a young fiddle player at the time. I remember reading, you know, been literature reading that and it, it impressed me quite a bit. And maybe that thinking in that direction but where the devil went down to Georgia came from I don't know I've always liked the word Georgia it's always got a melodic sort of a poetic sort of role to it Georgia you know and I just I've written a lot of songs with the word Georgia in it actually had to replay what he was saying and like Google it to actually figure out what he was saying. Yeah, for this came from as an old Stephen Vincent Vinay poem I had in high school called The Mountain Whippoorwill. Stephen Vincent Vinay poem I had in high school called The Mountain Whippoorwill. There was this poem that he read in high school that kind of stuck with him. The poem was called The Mountain Whippoorwill. Whippoorwill. Whip poor will. A whippoorwill, by the way, if you don't know, is a bird and it is commonly found in North America. However, although people have heard the whippoorwill, they have never really seen it. It's very, very, very rare to see a whippoorwill because whippoorwills have this very rare ability as a bird to completely camouflage themselves into the trees. If you are a bird watcher of any kind, then you might be familiar with the whippoorwill and how hard it is to actually see a whippoorwill. Even if you have the binoculars, even if you have the brochure in your pocket, it's like really hard to see them. The poem, The Mountain Whippoorwill, is very fitting for the story that is about to unfold. So The Mountain Whippoorwill was written by Stephen Vincent Bennett in 1925, okay? 1925, that was almost 100 years ago. I'm really bad at math. The poem is about a boy who lives in the mountains and has never really gone to the city. Nobody's really ever seen the boy kind of like a whippoorwill. One day the boy just decides to enter a fiddling contest in his local town. He goes down to the local town and is playing in the fiddling contest and is doing really, really well. And that's basically the premise of the whole poem is that this kid is from the mountains and just enters this fiddling contest and ends up being this amazing fiddler and ends up winning. Stephen got the inspiration for this poem after reading an article in a literary journal in 1924. And this literary journal was writing about how a boy had come from the mountains of Georgia to a fair to play in a fiddling contest in Southern Georgia. And when this boy came to the fair and started playing, he just absolutely blew everybody out of the water with his fiddling capabilities. He was a professional fiddler and everybody was just in awe that this kid in dirty clothes from the mountains had just come down and beat, was, he was beating all of these contestants in the fiddling contest. Now the fiddling contest was very political. I mean, if you were a fiddler and you were going to fiddling contests, 
you had a reputation, you had lessons, you had a background, you had hours and hours of professional practice. People have reputations in these circles and the whole point of the poem and of this article was that this boy just came from the mountains and had absolutely no reputation and nobody knew who he was, but he was just remarkable. And even though the main character's name is Jim in the poem, the real boy's name who came from the middle of nowhere and blew these people away was named Marcus Lowe Stokes. Marcus Lowe Stokes ended up making his way through the entire fiddling competition and beating out the number one guy who was known all around town, I think possibly all around the country or at least the region. His name was Carson something and he was like the best fiddler that everybody knew up until today, until Marcus Lowe Stokes comes in and just blows them all away. So the fact that he beat Carson was a huge, huge deal. And to prove it wasn't a fluke, because a lot of people thought, oh, maybe that was just a fluke, like he was just having a really good fiddle day or something, I don't know. But to prove it wasn't a fluke, Marcus Lowe Stokes actually ended up entering the competition again the following year and beating out everybody there again. And after that, he realized that he was really, really good at fiddling. <laughs> maybe he didn't know that already. I, now, he, now it's confirmed. So now Marcus Lowe Stokes starts entering all of the fiddling competitions that he possibly can in Georgia. And then he starts branching out to Tennessee and to other states. And he ends up really building a reputation as one of the nation's best fiddlers. Cute little side note about Marcus Lowe Stokes, but his dad, it was named Jacob Stokes and he was a farmer, but he was also a fiddler. So his dad fiddled. I thought that was really cute. Like maybe his dad taught him how to fiddle. So now that Marcus has really built up a reputation in the fiddling industry, he decides that he is going to change his name to Lowe Stokes. And that was his stage name was Lowe Stokes. Marcus, I guess, wasn't catchy enough, I don't know. So after Lowe Stokes won the second fiddling competition in 1925, that's when the Literary Journal posted this article about him, and that is where Stephen Vincent Bennett found the article and wrote the poem called The Mountain Whippoorwill, the story of Hillbilly Jim. By 1926, Lowe Stokes was on fire. He actually ended up getting a recording deal. He had a couple of runs with a few bands, the North Georgians, the Hometown Boys, and the Skillet Lickers. That, most notably, the skillet liquors. On November 6th of the 1930, Lowe Stokes entered a fiddling contest in Chattanooga, Tennessee. He actually lost this contest. And this was one of the first times that he had lost in years. There was this huge, huge upset with Lowe Stokes and all of his management because they believed that the contest was rigged and was biased towards a local boy from Chattanooga. He made like a huge, huge stink about it. And the person who beat him actually commented in the Chattanooga, Tennessee newspaper. He had some words for Mr. Lowe Stokes. Stokes. In answer to Mr. Stokes, I would like to say that the past convention was a national affair in which the national championship was at stake that I at that time held and now hold. I don't care what tunes they play or who they may be. I am ready to lock fiddles with any of them. I don't care where they come from. Now, as far as the judges in last year's contest was concerned, the reason I had the management to select fiddlers was because the first set of judges were not capable of judging fancy prize winning fiddling. Now, as far as Mr. Stokes not getting a fair deal, I will meet him on his own ground and give him five tunes to fiddle him until the atmosphere turns blue and his arms drop. The winner was kind of a little bit threatening to Mr. Lowe Stokes, basically saying like, hey, if you think that I won under unfair circumstances on my own turf, like, let's go to your turf, wherever you're from, buddy. We'll go to where you're from. I will play you there and we will see who will win. I'll play you till your arms fall off. 
But keep in mind that when this Chattanooga contest happened, this was six years after the initial fiddle contest where he surprised everybody and blew them all away as this boy from the sticks. And it was five years after Stephen Vincent Bennett wrote the poem. So, but I just wanted to insert that story because I thought it was really interesting. We have the newspaper clipping and it kind of shows how competitive and cutthroat these fiddle contests were. Like people were serious about it. Six days later, after this Chattanooga fiasco, Los Dokes goes down to a recording studio in Atlanta with his band, and they recorded eight songs at that studio, and they were basically done compiling their very first album for their very first release. And the following year, Los Stokes and his band released their very first album. However, it really did not do well. It was released right when the Great Depression was happening, so people, I think, were just like way too depressed to listen to fiddle music. However, I do know somebody who has an album of Low Stokes and they sold it recently for $10,000, $10,000, wait, wait, I have the number. $10,126.05. They sold it to a Chicago bidder at that number. So if you happen to have one of Low Stokes' first albums that did really, really badly in the Great Depression, go ahead and sell it. And I think the lesson we can learn here is that if there's a really bad band going on, buy their album when it's really cheap and when they're doing really badly. Is that, is that not the lesson? <laughs> in the middle of December, he actually got into this huge altercation. It was because of a love triangle that he was involved in and he was married at the time. So I don't know like what he was doing. He was out flirting with all of these girls. He was flirting with a woman. The woman's husband came in, stabbed him right by his heart. He missed his heart but he stabbed him in the chest. Low Stokes had to go to the hospital and he was severely hurt. He was okay, he survived, and in fact, he kept drinking and he kept going out. And just a week after he was stabbed in the heart by this guy for flirting with his wife, Low Stokes was in another bar and he was flirting with another woman when her husband came in and went to reach for his gun, yelling at him like, stop flirting with my girl. Low Stokes went to grab the guy's gun and he was drunker than a skunk and he ended up shooting himself in the upper arm. Low Stokes' father, Jacob, who remember was also a fiddler, came down from the mountains to town to be with Low Stokes because he heard that he had been shot. And his father actually told his sister that when he got there, Low was just sitting on the front porch drinking whiskey as the doctor was amputating his hand. And yes, he had to get his right hand amputated, which was his bowing hand, the hand that he used to saw his fiddle. Luckily, he still had his left hand and he could still, you know, do the motions of the fiddle, but the hand that he used to hold the bow was out, out of commission. It was completely gone. Now, at this time, fiddling was not super popular, but the New York Times actually covered Low Stokes in their publication, which was a huge deal for fiddling to be covered in the New York Times. Now, this was a national affair and now everybody knew who Low Stokes was. One year after Low Stokes had his right hand amputated, he started doing shows again. He was just like, okay, I'm back in. He had a metal hand. He's like, I can hold it with the metal hand. And people have seen Low Stokes all the way up through like the 60s and the 70s playing his fiddle with a fake hand. In 1966, a little band called the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band was formed. And in 1970, the Charlie Daniels Band was formed. In 1974, the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band decided that they were going to take the poem, The Mountain Whippoorwill, and turn it into a song where it was really more of them just like saying the poem in a really cool way to a little bit of music in the background. But there were some parts of the poem that they would actually like sing to a melody. It's a very long cut, but I will put the link to the YouTube video of the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band <laughs> doing the Mountain Whippoorwill in the description down below. That was kind of a mouthful. <laughs> Also in 1974, the Charlie Daniels Band released their album Fire on the Mountain, which was their very first album to go platinum. 
1979, Charlie Daniels was working on his fifth album, Since Fire on the Mountain. The entire album was done when all of a sudden the band realized they didn't have a fiddle song. And you gotta have a fiddle song! So the band was kind of in a crisis. They were like, okay, we were, we're ready to release it. We're like riding this momentum to release it, but we have to have a fiddle song. So they decided to take a week off of recording to just kind of regroup and maybe find some inspiration. A week later, Charlie Daniels and his band walks into Epic Records and it just comes to Charlie Daniels, this idea of the devil going down to Georgia. He says, I just like the word Georgia, which I don't think that's not true. But then he says, yeah, well, you know, there might have been some motivation from this poem, The Mountain Whippoorwill. And the way Charlie Daniels says it is like, well, you know, I might have been inspired by that. It could be. The only place I can figure that the idea for this came from is an old Stephen Vincent Benet poem I had in high school called The Mountain Whippoorwill. Maybe that thinking in that direction. But but if you look at the lyrics of The Devil Went Down to Georgia and the stanzas from The Mountain Whippoorwill, there are literal excerpts from The Mountain Whippoorwill that are in The Devil Went Down to Georgia. So let's do a quick comparison of the poem versus the song. In the second verse of the song, the devil jumps up on a hickory stump and says, boy, I'll tell you what. And in the poem, he also mentions a stump. At the very bottom of the poem, he says, I started off with a dump diddle dump skunk cabbage growing by the bee gum stump. And in that same stanza of the poem, he literally says, hell's broke loose in Georgia, which is a literal line in The Devil Went Down to Georgia. Also, the main character in the poem is named Jimmy, and the main character in The Devil Went Down to Georgia is named Johnny. Johnny Rossin up your bow. Jimmy, Johnny, John, Jim. I think that this was a little bit more motivation than Charlie Daniels kind of lets on in his interviews. Never knew my pappy, maybe never should. Think he was a fiddle made of mountain laurel wood. Never had a mammy to teach me pretty please. Think she was a whippoorwill, a skittin' through the trees. Never had a brother nor a whole pair of pants. But when I start to fiddle, why you gotta start to dance. It's also kind of got the same rhythm as the devil went down to Georgia. He was looking for a soul to steal. He was in a bind and he was way behind, but he was willing to make a deal. Hear that mountain whippoorwill be lonesome in the air, and I tell you how I travel to the Essex County Fair. Essex County has a mighty pretty fair. All the smarty fiddlers from the south come there. When he came across a young man sawn on a fiddle and playing it hot, the devil jumped up on a hickory stump and said, boy, let me tell you what. Now I bet you didn't know it, but I'm a fiddle player too, and if you care to take a dare, I'll make a bet with you. Now you play a pretty good fiddle, boy, but give the devil his due. I'll bet you a fiddle of gold against your soul, because I think I'm better than you. In the poem, he also says, rousing up the bow, which sounds a little familiar. The devil opened up his case as he said, I'll start this show, and fire flew from his fingertips as he rousing up his bow. I mean, come on, right? Come on. And then Charlie Daniels says, well, I don't know where the idea of the devil came from, but I can think of a few ideas. First of all, if Charlie Daniels had been following the story of Low Stokes, which he most likely was, because Low Stokes was a famous fiddler who lost his hand and was playing with a fake hand, how could you not be following Low Stokes? And Low Stokes was still alive when Charlie Daniels' band was formed, so you could imagine that Low Stokes was a huge inspiration for him. Since Charlie Daniels knew that poem, there's no way that he didn't only know the poem and not no low stokes because it was common knowledge that the poem was written about that fiddling contest at that fair. So if you had been following the story of low stokes then you knew that he was a little bit rambunctious, he was a drinker, 
flirting with other people's wives. He was always getting into trouble, especially the kind of trouble where you shoot yourself and lose your own hand. So it's kind of like sinful behavior that Lowe Stokes was engaged in as he was a public figure. I think that could have been part of the inspiration for having the devil come down to Georgia. I also think that Charlie Daniels just loved this idea of like fire on a mountain and he says fire on a mountain in the chorus of the song. Fire on the mountain was his first album to go platinum. So the Charlie Daniels band ends up being pretty pumped that they have this fiddle song and now they can finally finish their album but their only problem was that the local radio stations would play the song but if it ever made top 40 it had a cuss word in it and the top 40 would not play any songs with a cuss word so just to be safe they made a second recording of the song and replaced SOB with Son of a Gun. Because I told you once, you son of a gun, that I'm the best there's ever been. He said we didn't expect it to go top 40, but they did already have a platinum and a gold album coming into this album. So they were like, you know what, if it does, we need to do this just to be safe. But he says he had absolutely no idea that the song would just blow up the way it did. I just have to insert really quickly that I saw Charlie Daniels play The Devil Went Down to Georgia at the Opry and he literally played so hard that he completely ruined his bow and I have a background in violin and my dad was always like you should be a fiddler but I always just did like violin. I was floored that his bow was just coming apart but I guess he does that at every show because I said something about it and they were like yeah he does that at every show. I'm like oh my gosh that's just crazy. That's just crazy. Charlie Daniels also mentions this story about a time that he was in Australia playing a show in Australia and he met this really short like little funny young guitar player. He decided to have this guy open the show for him in Australia and he kept saying to the guitar player, play the devil went down to Georgia, play the devil went down to Georgia and the guitar player was like no 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 no. He didn't want to play it, didn't want to play it. Charlie Daniels kept egging him on like come on play it play it play it play it and he was like no I don't want to play it in front of you because he's the master like who wants to play the devil went down to Georgia in front of Charlie Daniels like probably not many people no matter how good you are you're like no you're the king finally Charlie Daniels just kept egging him on and finally the guitarist agreed to play the devil went down to Georgia and he plays it for Charlie Daniels and Charlie's mouth dropped to the floor Charlie says that he just killed it those are his exact words he killed it and that guitarist was Drum roll, please. Keith Urban. And that's right, Keith Urban opened for Charlie Daniels and killed the song The Devil Went Down to Georgia. And there's actually a YouTube video of Keith Urban playing The Devil Went Down to Georgia. I am going to put a link to the video of Keith Urban playing The Devil Went Down to Georgia in the description down below. You've got to check it out because it is really really good and not only does he nail the licks but he also nails the lyrics and he changes them for a guitar instead of a fiddle. So on April 20th, 1979, The Devil Went Down to Georgia was formally released and absolutely tops the charts. Number one in the US, number one in Canada. I think it hit number one four times and the album went platinum. And Lowe Stokes was still alive in 1979 while all of this was happening. Lowe Stokes lived another six years after the release of The Devil Went Down to Georgia. So he was able to see the entire thing unfold. I would love to end this video by telling you of the next tour dates for Charlie Daniels. He has played every single year just like it was yesterday, like nothing had ever changed. You know, it's like the man wasn't aging. It was incredible. And even when I saw him, he must have been in his 70s. It was amazing. I mean, he did not miss a beat. And I really, 
so, so wish that I could end this video saying, here are some tour dates, you can still hear him. But so sadly, in the summer of 2020, Charlie Daniels did pass away from a stroke. His last show was in March of 2020. When COVID hit, he had to put his whole 2020 tour on the back burner. All he said during the whole lockdown was, I can't wait till it's over so we can get back on tour. I can't wait till it's over so we can get back out there. So it's so, so heartbreaking that he did pass so suddenly during the lockdown when that was like his whole thing was he wanted to go back on tour in 2020 and he was so sad that it had ended. And yeah, it was, I think it was June or July of 2020 that he passed away. He left behind his wife and his only child son, Charlie Daniels Jr. There was a lot of talk in 2020 from Charlie Daniels Jr. and the Charlie Daniels bandmates that they were going to start a legacy band, but Honestly, I couldn't find that much information about a legacy band right now. If anybody knows anything about the legacy band, please comment it or send me a message because I would love to see the legacy band too. I mean, nothing is gonna compare to seeing Charlie Daniels at the Opry, but if I could see the legacy band, I would love to do it. Or Charlie Daniels Jr., if you're watching this video, maybe this can be the little kick in your step to start up that legacy band again. Let me know if you like this video and you like this kind of content by giving it a thumbs up and subscribing to the channel. If you don't, then YouTube just pushes my videos like down, down, down into the wild abyss of YouTube and nobody ever gets to see them. So if you thought this was interesting or if you think that somebody else will think this is interesting, please do subscribe, hit the thumbs up and share it with someone who will like it in the future. Hungry for the road all my life Thirsty for adventure all my youth Chasing all my freedoms